Welcome to the Improvement Imminent Podcast. I'm Philip Weigel, here with my brother, John Michael. Together, we set out to create a better program that can bridge the gap between gyms and help more athletes improve their fitness. Each week, we ask ourselves, what can we do better? And we challenge each of you to do the same. Our mission is to share our knowledge from our nearly two decades of experience as CrossFit athletes and coaches to help you approach each day's training with more purpose. Hey guys, welcome back to the Improvement Imminent Podcast. We are going to do part B of our weekly walkthrough starting Thursday, May 23rd. Um, We are going to start off strength. We have a 10 by 3 overhead squat and we are going to ascend from 60% to a 3 rep max. Uh, We are in an overhead squat cycle, uh, overhead squat and deadlift cycle. So this is just part of that. Um, Working up the 10 by 3, it's going to be a lot of sets. 10 sets is is a lot of sets. It's a lot of sets, so it's going to start quite light. 60% not that much in terms of 3 rep max world. Um, Hopefully off your 1 rep max, we're able to get up close to 90-ish percent. That can be done by some people, maybe even over 90% for a few of us. Um... This is, like John Michael said, part of that cycle, and it's kind of the end of it. We're now coming back around and trying to test what we've gained and see if we've improved and, and added some capacity and some strength overhead. So hopefully you've been in, you've been working the pieces that we've put in the program, and you've done them with the intention of gaining understanding on position and improving your strength. Uh, so hopefully this goes well for you. Be smart about it. Um, My advice is to try to hit your PR or a new PR um, on around set eight, um, eight or nine, really. I don't try to PR on my 10th set because there's always there's always the risk that you're a little out of place and you miss that rep um, or you realize that, oh, man, I got a lot more in the tank and I can do another weight that's heavier. So I, I typically try to go set eight or nine. So then I have a backup set or two in case I want to give it another shot or in case I've got more and I can add another 10 pounds to my bar. Yeah, um, it's going to be a good one. Obviously, we want to see you guys take good positions. But um, as you're working heavy, my suggestion is in the bottom of the hole, try not to get buried for long. I know with overhead squats, I get to the bottom and I tend to sit sometimes. Um, But since we're doing so many reps, we're doing 30 reps and you guys are starting at a heavy weight. Make sure that you guys are coming out of the bottom pretty decent, right, in speed. Um, so we get to the bottom, maybe we just drive the knees out and stand right back up rather than letting it bury, sitting for a second, and then driving up because that will really take it out of you on that overhead position. Yeah, at the same time, be careful. Don't descend so quickly that you're trying to get a bounce out of the bottom of your overhead squat because mm-hmm. uh, speed is the enemy on the descent. Yep. All it takes is a half inch to an inch of mispositioned barbell uh, to completely ruin a rep and make it non-savable. So be smart about it, descend smoothly, and then react to your end range pretty quickly and get out of it quickly. But make sure you're not flying into that hole. Yeah. Um, following that, our workout is going to be four time with a 15-minute cap. It is 50, 40, 30, 20, and 10 calorie row and box hop. For ladies, the calorie row is going to be 40 calories, then 32 then 24, then 16, and then 8. So those are all 80%. 80% of what the uh, what the big numbers are. Yep. So um, it's it's row, box hop, back and forth, back and forth. Um, it's going to be a pretty nasty one. My suggestion is in the 50, the 40, um, 
make sure that you guys do not sprint. The 50 and 40 is going to be just a longer round. Just be consistent there. On the row, find a pace that is fast, but you guys can hold it for both those rounds. And on the box hops, my suggestion is if we are not comfortable rebounding or if we're not comfortable rebounding in that volume, um, then just pick an option that's going to keep you moving pretty quickly, whether it's a hop down, reset, jump, or whether it's a step down right back up to the jump. Um, but make sure that you guys are smart on the box hops. It is a lot of reps, 150 reps is a lot of box hops. So make sure that you guys are putting a little bit of concentration into everyone. That way we don't accidentally hit it in shin. When uh, <clears throat> when you're on the rower, Jen Michael, what what do you do? Like you're, you're rowing 50 calories, 40 calories. Those are big blocks. How do you measure how hard you're going and whether or not that's sustainable? Um, I measure it. I look at my uh, strokes per minute. I look at my strokes per minute, and then I look at my calorie and hour output. Yeah, I mean strokes per minute. That's a good one. Um, I think for somebody who's a little bit more advanced on the rower, and I definitely think people should look at it and try to understand it a little bit and correlate it to their effort, but especially the calories per hour average. Um, You should start to know what you can hold. What can you hold for one minute? Okay, what does a one-minute sprint look like as opposed to I'm doing one minute on my rower in the middle of a workout and there's 15 other minutes of work? Um, understanding that number allows you to much more accurately uh, set the tone for, for your own destruction in a workout, right? If, if I know right where my limits are, then I can, I can pretty predictably push up on those limits every single time I sit down to do a workout. Uh, but if I'm just guessing and I don't really know how far I can go before everything's going to fall apart then maybe I go out a little too hard or way too hard and, and that point of destruction meets me much sooner. So really try to understand what's going on. Make sure you're not just mindlessly rowing, but read the numbers. That's one of the beautiful things about the Concept2 machines. They give you direct feedback. Every single time you put some effort into them, they evaluate that effort and give you a report card instantly. Yeah. Um, on that, I'd say... Um, make sure that you guys know, I think an important thing also is drag factor. Uh, there's, I think there's a misconception that if we turn the rower real high, um, if we take it and we put the damper up when we're rowing calories, it is going to help us get more calories. I like to put my drag factor right where I do my meters when I row. Um, I don't change it. I like to keep it right on it. Where do you keep yours? Same. I put it in the exact same spot. I row on a 125 in the actual factor range if I, Mm -hmm. if I measure it. Uh, but most of the time I don't measure it. I just kind of eyeball it to around there. Here's the reality of drag factor. When you increase the drag factor, what you're going to do down, what you're going to do is slow down your cycle rate. You're not going to effectively help yourself row more calories. You're going to pull fewer strokes and have to put more power into each stroke to try to get as far. Um, you should become proficient at rowing. Becoming proficient at rowing means that you understand how to own and modulate your stroke. My advice, as well as the advice of the Olympic gold medalist who taught me to row, (laughs) is to understand how to use a single drag factor before you worry about trying to use multiple drag factors for different scenarios. Yeah, um, I definitely learned in my um, rowing certification, they said if you cannot keep the same strokes per minute at a higher drag factor then for the most part, your output's going to be 
um, the same, if not slightly less, because as your strokes per minute goes down, you have to put way more power into each stroke. Um, so the only time that's beneficial is if it's really easy to put power into strokes and you can keep the same strokes per minute, um, in which case bump it up and you'll find that range that you should be rowing in. Um, but yeah, for that workout, my suggestion is we hit 30 calories uh, and maybe we pick up the pace there. When we hit 30, that's probably our time to start, okay, let's see if we can get through some, see if we can get through, and then the 20 and the 10 is emptying everything we got left, especially that 10. Um, hop on that rower or that 8 for ladies and, and just finish it out. You definitely want to be putting the power into the machine through your hamstrings because the box hops are going to be much more activation out of your quads. So if you're rowing well, then this will probably go better for you than someone who's rowing poorly on their toes and, and quad dominating their pool because you're going to end up double toasting a muscle group that you're going to wish you had when you go to box hop. Yep, yep. Good. On to, uh, on to Friday. Friday we're going to be starting off with a chipper workout. We're going to be on our box again, but this time we're doing step-ups. We're doing 50 box step-ups with 95 pounds or 65 pounds on our back, and that is a 24 or a 20-inch box. Then right into 40 toes to bar. Following that, we've got 30 overhead squats with that same weight, 95-65. Then 20 quick power snatches, 95-65. And then finally, the workout's going to finish with 10 muscle-ups, and those are on rings. If you aren't doing ring muscle-ups, uh, we can scale it to 20 strict pull-ups. Yes, that is a strict pull-up in a workout. It is meant to be done without a kip. So if you need to add a band to make that feasible, do it. If you've got some muscle-ups, but you know that 10 at the end of this workout is just too darn many, then do fewer. I'm fine with somebody doing five muscle-ups there. If it means that they're doing a difficult skill, a difficult movement for them, and they're using this as a, as a chance to get a little bit of volume in on that movement and to do it when they're tired, it's better to do less of a muscle-up and improve at it gradually than to not do it because you can't do all 10, right? Fewer is better than none. Yeah. Um, this is just a classic chipper. So we're going through each movement you only see once, uh, and that kind of changes how you approach it. So make sure that when you guys approach this, I'd say on the 50 box step up, that's going to be pretty nasty. 95 pounds is quite a bit more than we've seen on our back um, in a workout. I think we did some box step overs with two dumbbells not too long ago with that hip touch and shoulder touch workout. Well, we did some box step-ups with a 50-pound dumbbell just we did last some, week. We did some with a 50-pound dumbbell last week. Um, so this one is going to be uh, quite a bit heavier. Um, don't drop the bar from the top of the box. Uh, the last thing we want is a bar to go ripping across the floor 15 feet to the left and then smacking someone or going through the wall. Uh, so make sure that you guys are getting back to the ground. Control the bar to the ground. Or once you get back to the ground, look behind you, make sure no one's back there, and then and then drop it well, off the back. Also, we should always assume that the rep ends where it started. Yep. Where did the rep start? On the ground. So it should end with you stepping back down to the floor. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Uh, as always, alternate feet. Um, we suggest that you go right foot up, right foot down, and then left foot up, left foot down. Mm -hmm. That's how both of us do it. Um, that's just how I think it's the easiest to keep track of what foot you just did. And what foot comes next. Um, but on that movement, I would say, are you going to try to do all 50 unbroken? Oh, I'd say, yeah, I'm not putting that bar down. I'd say hold on to that bar. It's going to be really tough if you guys set that bar down to pick it back up onto the back and begin. So just try to get through those 50 because once you get through them, um, we get those toe to bar where we get to rest that lower body a little bit. Yeah, it's not going to be fast. 
you shouldn't you shouldn't be trying to rip through the fifty, but you should just be trying to march through the fifty. That's really what this is. This is marching up giant stairs. That's all we're doing. Uh, so just be be steady, be patient, be methodical, and get through it. It should be if you're holding a decent pace and if you're using the appropriate weights, it should be three and a half to four and a half minutes of work, really. Um, so if you are a shorter athlete, then drop your ego a little bit. Use a lower box, right? If if you're shorter and you don't have the limb length to step efficiently up on a big box, then go go shorter, right? Fit your mold and then get stronger and then expand your mold. But we got to be real with ourselves. Do the right amount of work for you. That's how you'll improve. Yep. After that, um, following that workout, uh, we have a post-wad. Uh, within 10 minutes of completing the workout, we want you guys to complete a one rep max seated dumbbell strict press, and that is a one rep max on each arm. And they might be different. Yeah. I, I, have, a, I have a pretty good feeling that my left arm is going to be 5 or 10 pounds less uh, capable than my right arm is. I think people will be surprised when they see how different their arms are. Um, but yes, expect that one arm might be able to press quite a bit more than the other. So we are seated. Is that on a box or on the ground, Phil? Um, that is going to be on the floor. Okay, so we're on the floor, feet out in front. Um, do not use your other hand and set it on the ground. So we can't set our other hand down. Make sure that you guys are trying to sit upright. You're going to have to keep the abs and butt as tight as you can to mm. keep yourself up. Yeah, my preference is actually put your hand on your belly mm-hmm. so that you can feel yourself pushing your abs into that braced position as well as you can feel if you've started to crack and throw your ribs into the air. Yep. Once you guys have completed that one rep max seated strict press on each arm, we are also going to complete a 250 meter ski erg time trial. So this is a this is a fast and furious sprint. This is grabbing those handles and pulling probably right around 50 to 60 of the fastest, most powerful strokes you can. Now, please be nice to the machines. They're not meant to be bottomed out which means that you're not meant to slam the handle so far down that you feel the rope jerk at the bottom and you hear a big, loud click, right? Please be reasonable to the machines. Apply the power at the top of the stroke. That's where you get to drag your body weight into it. Finishing the stroke harder is not the way to get this done faster. Cycling more strokes so that you can apply that big burst of power at the top, that's how you're going to get this done faster. Yeah, um, I would I would say that uh, when you guys are doing the post wad, are we allowed to put it whatever order we want? Or yeah, you can do it. You can do it however you want. We just want to try to get it completed within ten minutes of the workout um, to keep a class on time and b uh, to keep you in a little bit of a strained mode. This isn't meant mm-hmm. to be a hundred percent fresh. Mm-hmm. This is after fatiguing yourself. We want to do a little a little fun testing and see what you can do once you've put some fatigue on your muscles. Yeah, so I'd say do the skier trial last. Um, I would make that the last thing. Just That's probably going to be the nastiest part of it. Yeah, I would want to have my, my heart rate down before yep. I did that. Yep. But depends on how quickly you recover, and I guess it depends on how hard you went on that workout. Yep. Um, following that, on Saturday, we have a partner wad. It is a 15-minute AMRAP, and then we're going to rest five minutes, and then a 10-minute AMRAP. Um. For a 15-minute AMRAP, it is a 100-meter bear crawl, 20 dumbbell push press, and that is two dumbbells, so 50 pounds for guys, 35 for ladies, 30 V-ups, 
and then a 400-meter run carrying one of those dumbbells. Um, both partners must run together and stay together, and you guys can pass the dumbbell back and forth in the run as needed, uh, but you have to run with one of the dumbbells. Um, For the movements that aren't <clears throat> running, you can split the work as needed uh, or as desired, and you can bounce back and forth as much as you want. So if Jermichael and I are partners, um, I'm probably going to do 25 meters of my bear crawl, and then he's going to do a 25-meter bear crawl. And then I'll do another 25. He'll do another 25. We've now completed our 100 meters. Um, same thing goes with the push presses. Maybe we're going to split it 10 and 10. The V-ups, probably something around quick 10s, quick 5s, or maybe even 15 unbroken if we're feeling pretty good. Uh, and then changing back and forth between us. And then, like you said, for that run, you do have to both run together. So you have to stick together. I would pass that dumbbell. I don't know, relatively frequently. I would probably only try to take it for about 100 meters so that you can move quickly and then hand it off to your partner who then moves quickly with it, giving you enough time to recover and then do it again. Um, that dumbbell that dumbbell carry on the run is definitely going to be about communication and coordination. you got to make sure you and your partner are on the same page committing to do the work together. All right? Don't be a hero and don't be a jerk. Don't go running away from your partner while they're struggling with that dumbbell. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then we are going to rest five minutes, and then we have a 10-minute AMRAP. Of the same structure, you're going to pick up where you left off. So let's say John Michael and I were on round four, and we were seven dumbbell push presses in. Well, when that clock turns over, three, two, one, go again. Now we've got the remainder of our push presses before we move on to our V-ups. So it just picks up where you left off. This is a partner one, which, which I know we mentioned. So bring somebody in, uh, maybe a, a friend who hasn't tried CrossFit and you think would, would be a good candidate for our fitness program. Um, we're always interested in getting new folks in the gym and trying to show them that fitness is for everybody. Yep. Um, that has been our weekly walkthrough part B. Uh, make sure you guys come back in on Sunday morning. We're going to post, uh, post part A of our next week. Um, that might be it. Yep. No sponsors to add? No. Oh, now, now you admit we're not sponsored. I'm not sponsored by LaCroix, yeah. although I wish I was. <clears throat> well, that's been it. Uh, so we will catch you guys uh, on Sunday, and we will see you in the gyms.